Thank you so much for listening to the very first Uproar Conference podcast. We're going to be going back into our archives and sharing with you some of the messages that impacted, shifted, and were absolutely powerful from the years past. I'm your host, Cody Spencer, and go ahead and be excited. Get ready to take some notes because God is going to do something in your heart even right now. So go ahead and enjoy. Share this on social media. It would be a great help for us to get the word out about the power of God and the love that he has for every single one of us. Over to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. I'm going to start with a scripture that almost everybody should know. If not, it's a great scripture. You need to receive this for your life. I'm starting here, and I want to move in to show you something that's going to change you for the better tonight. And by the time we're done, I know the Holy Spirit's already here, touching people already. But I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Amen. Anytime you get together like this in the presence of God, something good always happens. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am right there in the middle of them. You know what I found out about God? He can't hang around too long without helping somebody, without blessing somebody, without setting somebody free. Amen. So we're going to read a scripture tonight, Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. And this scripture is powerful. It pertains to you. It pertains to me. And you need to see this first and foremost. Uh, The Bible says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation tonight. The Bible says this, for I know, this is God speaking to you, I know The plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I'm going to read it one more time. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So the first thing you need to see tonight is that God has a plan for every one of you sitting here. And you need to realize God's not leaving you out. He's not going to leave you hanging. There's a lot of people, you know what they think? The enemy has made them feel like they've been through too many things in their life so that God can no longer use them. God no longer wants to hang around them, that he's mad at them. This is the the message that's being preached to some people in the world today. The enemy makes you feel like in your mind that you've gone too far to ever be used or touched by God again. But see, that's a lie from the enemy. And the enemy wants you to feel like you're disqualified from being used by God. I want, you to, I want you to know this tonight. There's nobody in this room that's gone too far, that's done too much, that's got too much of a past, that God can't use you, that God can't bless you, that God can't touch you. Amen. And so first and foremost, you've got to see this with me, that there is a plan for your life. Not a plan to destroy you, not a plan to punish you, but a plan for your future and your hope. Amen. Let me tell you something tonight. The devil hates dads. The devil hates dads. Let me tell you why I know this. Because if you can't view or have a relationship with an earthly father the right way, then you'll be, it'll be very hard for someone to have a view of a heavenly father that they've never met. If you asked our generation today, what's a father like to you? They'd probably give you answers like, well, you know, dads, they run out on you, never come back. They all, they never, they're never there when you need them. I mean, people would give you story after story after story about what they think a dad is like. You know why? Because the devil hates 
fathers. He wants you to feel like fathers are not there for you. It really has very little to do with your earthly father. He just wants when people come in contact with a heavenly father for them not to be able to have a right relationship with him. Everybody get this with me. If you can't trust a father you can see, you can't trust a father you can't see. Are you hearing me? And so the devil hates fathers. He wants to destroy homes. He wants to destroy families. Not very much, you know, you look at the natural side of it, and it is destructive to you as a person. But the first thing that he wants to destroy for any person is their ability to connect with God. Because no matter where you've been in your life, I don't care if you grew up your whole life without a father. It doesn't mean God can't use you. If you had a broken home, if you came from the wrong side of the tracks, I mean, we had a kid, he had no self-esteem. He used to come to our bus stop. I remember the first time I ever met this kid. He was the only kid you asked him what his name was, and he shrugged when he told you his name. Like, he was even embarrassed of his name. What's your name? He's like, Corey. I was like, okay. I was like, oh, man, he was at our basketball court one day. I was like, oh, man, who makes those shoes you got on? Because they, like, had no insignia on the shoe anywhere. It was just like a white shoe. He took the shoe off and looked at it. On the inside, the brand name was Shoe. Literally, the kid had no self-esteem. He had no ability to put, he just kind of felt like an outcast. And that's how the enemy wants to make us feel. He wants to keep us separated from our purpose and God's plan for our life. But I'm telling you tonight, by the time this night is over, every one of us is going to be empowered to receive what God has for our life. Don't ever feel like you can't do what God said you can do. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you. See, God's always looking to give you something. I said he's always looking to give you something. He don't want to take from you. He wants to give to you. I'll give you a future, and I'll give you a hope. There's, there was somebody in our, recently in our leadership in this nation who made statements regarding the economic, uh, the economic downturn in 2008. And they said, because of what's happened financially in our country, some of us in this generation are going to have to sacrifice our future so that our children and grandchildren can have a future. But can I tell you something? When you belong to Jesus, you don't ever have to sacrifice your future for any reason or any purpose. The, you serve a God tonight that's so big. Listen, you know, when the, when the prophet in the Old Testament, when he didn't have anything to eat, the Bible says God caused ravens to bring him morsels of bread. If you understand something about ravens, they're not birds that share. Huh? You ever seen a crow? Mine, 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 mine. Huh? They don't share, but you know, he caused ravens, he turned their personalities around and caused them to bring him bread, sat him right down next to a stream of flowing fresh water so he can drink. I don't care what God has to do to bless you. If he's got to send birds to your house with Big Macs in their mouth, he will send them. God loves you so much that he will kick down a door to get to you. He'll make ways where there were no ways. He'll take things out of your way so he can bless you. He'll create a door in the middle of a wall and when you thought you were so stuck that you'd never get out of the situation you were in, he'll show up for you right on time. Somebody shout amen. I was just preaching not too long ago in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was doing a, a, a meeting for young people just like this, and in comes this young man. You could tell he was troubled in his heart, and I didn't, I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know him, but I began to preach on the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. When the power of God fell that night at the altar, 
And the young people came to the altar and began to worship the Lord. I mean, people were getting set free in the power of God. Let me tell you, I hate this foul thing that's tried to kill our generation. Depression, anxiety attacks, panic attacks, fear, ADD, ADHD. It's not from God, it's from the devil. And so he was battling severe depression in his mind. And he came down, the power of God instantly set him free in that room that night. He came to me afterwards and he said, Brother Ted, i got to tell you what happened to me. He's like, I didn't, I didn't even know anything about this camp. He said, I was sitting on my father's bed holding a gun in my hand, my dad's gun. I had it pressed up against my temple, and I was ready to pull the trigger. He said, at the moment I was getting ready to pull the trigger, he said, my cell phone went off, and it was my friend who texted me. And he said, uh, would you like to go to a camp? There's this crazy Christian camp getting ready to go on. Would you like to go with me? And he thought, I I've never been to some crazy Christian camp. He said, so I'll do this one last thing. This is what he said to himself. I'll do this one last thing before I kill myself myself. This will be like the last event of my life. And he got together with his friend and they came to that camp that week. And when he did, the power of God came from heaven and touched him that day. And I'm telling you that same spirit that was going to kill him had to run out of his mind and out of his atmosphere because the power of God will find you. The power of God will find you. But there's an issue. Let me show you something. There is an active enemy that fights against you, and he wants to take you out. <clears throat> Let me say this. In America, we've got it wrong a little bit because we teach people that the enemy is attacking you because he wants to ruin your day, and he wants to steal your laughter and not be able to let you live your best life. That's not why the enemy's attacking you. He's attacking you because he wants to kill you. He doesn't want to take your laughter. He wants you dead. Huh? He doesn't want to get you addicted to drugs. That's not his end purpose. He wants you dead. He wants you in a grave. So I don't want you to get a misconception of the fact, you know, the enemy's after me because he's trying to rob me of peace. Well, he does rob people of peace. But the end result is he wants you so devoid of peace that your only option in your mind is to take your own life. Because he didn't come to steal giggles. He came to kill you. The Bible says the thief comes to steal and kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. More. Somebody shout more. Now watch this now. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, there's a very interesting scripture that Paul tells us found in verse 17. Galatians 5 and verse 17. It talks about the fact that your flesh is constantly at war with your spirit, which means God has a plan for you, but if God has a plan for every believer on the earth, how come every believer's not walking in the fullness of the plan? Because God doesn't just drop your plan on your lap and let it unfold without us doing anything. You, it's like if somebody brought you a present to your birthday party. They would come with the present. Most people, you know, they set up these little present tables now. So you put the present on the present table. And now you're sitting eating your cake at the table and the present's over there. Nobody that I know has ever sat in front of the present table and just stretched their hands towards, I just believe I received those presents. I, I just believe those presents are mine. I claim them. Come now, presents come. 
come, presents come. No, you get up out of your chair, you take the present, you rip it open and see what's inside. But many people in our generation have sat in their chairs. God said, here's your plan. Here's your purpose. Here's my blessing. And there's people that are just sitting there saying, I just receive it. I just receive it. But there's more than that. You have to learn to get up in the Holy Ghost and say, I'm not going to miss out on my purpose. I'm not going to miss out on my plan. I'm not going to miss out on my future. I'm going to take what God said is mine. Somebody shout, I'm going to take it. Shout it like you mean, I'll take it. So when you learn to take it, you begin to realize your flesh is always at war with your spirit. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, 60 years, your flesh will still want to do carnal things. I don't care. It don't, it don't get holy. Your flesh don't get holy. Never. I don't care. Some, some little church mother sitting up in the church has been there 60 years. She still is tempted to cuss you out when you cut, cut her off in the parking lot. Huh? Because your flesh never is holy. It always wants to sin. Now, I've done this before. I, help. I, need to, I need you to see this. Some of you have never seen this analogy. It's the best one I can think up. But Cody and Obi, come up here real quick. It's the best one I can think up, so I've got to show you. And so this, everybody knows man's a three-part being. We'll let you be my spirit because you look real good. You can be my flesh, okay? I'll be the soul. I'm going to be the soul right here. Soul. This is your mind, your will, your emotions, everything about your mental capacity. This is your body that you see in the mirror every day. This is what you get dressed. This is what you brush its teeth. This is what you comb its hair. This is what you put deodorant on. This is your spirit, man. That wall right there represents the things of God. Every plan he has for your life. This wall over here represents the things the enemy wants to take place and the carnal things of life. Now, in your life, as you go, Paul knew this. That's why he taught it in his word. He said, you're linked up as a three-part being. He said, but the issue is your spirit man constantly pulls you towards the things of God while your flesh pulls you towards the world. And your soul's locked up in the middle in a fight. And you're trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. But sometimes I can't figure it out. There's a war going on inside me. He's pulling me to Jesus. He's pulling me to the things of the flesh. And I don't know what to do. I love God, but I also got some stuff I'm dealing with. So you got to learn how to get your mind right. Hold up. Don't go nowhere now. Now, you got to get your mind right. Why? Because two against one is never a fair fight. Two on one is never a fair fight, which means whichever side my mind, my soul lines up with is the side that's going to win the fight. And so if I want the things of God to take place, that's why I don't believe your spirit is the most important part of you. I believe your soul is because your spirit can be renewed. Your spirit can be regenerated. And you can have it that way your whole life. But if you never put your flesh man under, you'll never do spiritual stuff. Ooh, I don't hear you in here. Well, let me tell y'all something. Stay with me. I, when I pastored young people for eight, nine years, I would have them come up to me all the time. They say, oh, Pastor Ted, I want to stay pure before marriage. I don't want to have sex outside of marriage. But it's so hard in my generation. It's so hard with everything that we're dealing with in our generation. And, you know, I never said to them, like, well, are you going to church on a regular basis? And do you pay your tithes? I never said any of that stuff. You know what I said? Give me your phone. Give me your iPod. Give me your stuff. Let me see your playlist. Let me see what you're listening to. Let me see what you're putting in your spirit. See, because it's a whole lot harder to stay pure when you've got that playlist pumping into you. You leave church just hearing the word of God, but as soon as you get back in the car, the earbuds go in, and it's, girl, come over to my house and take off all of your clothes. You know what I'm saying? 
you see what I'm saying? It's hard because you're fighting against yourself. So when you're pumping that into your spirit, it's no wonder your soul's like, yeah, bikini bottoms, bikini bottoms. When I, when I first was youth pastor, stay with me. When I first was youth pastor, let me just see, because you're seeing my whole piercing right here. It's my three-part being. When I first started youth pastor, we had thugs coming in off the street. I mean, they didn't know nothing about Jesus, church. I mean, they came in just, you know. So I had to kind of teach them how to live for God from the ground up. And some of these young girls in my youth group, they were not helping me at all. Because I'd be like, it's summertime, time to hit the water park. And we hit the water park, and they'd come out and some stuff. It was like, is this Baywatch? What's happening right now? And these young men trying to serve God were like, hey, woo. You know, and I was like, lady, we had to start enforcing a dress code. I was like, ladies, let me help you here. These young men are trying to be renewed in the spirit of their mind. Uh, they're supposed to see you as a sister in Christ and not a fox in Christ. You see what I mean? So, <laughs> so it's hard, you know, when your spirit man's like, live for God, live for God. But then you run past and it's like bikini bottles, bikini bottles. You see what I'm saying? So it's all in the soul realm here. We're fighting in the, ba we're fighting in the battle of the mind. See, so when we link back up and I begin to feed my soul, the Bible says you have to renew your mind. Once you begin to renew your mind, I don't care how hard your flesh pulls. When the spirit man pulls and the soul's with it, flesh has to come where I tell it to come. Are you hearing me? Thank you, gentlemen. Your flesh has to go where you tell it to go. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he said daily, I put my body under subjection. Why did he say that? Why did he talk about his body like it was a different person? Because the real person is your spirit. That's the part that never dies. When you get saved, check this out. You don't start living eternal life when you get to heaven. You start living it when you get saved. I'm living eternal life right now. I'm not going to die. Come on. You're not going to die. If you're serving God right now, the Bible says if you're born twice, you die once. But if you're only born once, you die twice. Woo! If you're born twice, you die once. But if you're born once, you die twice. And so there's something that's going on here. you got to begin to realize there's something inside you fighting against the plans and purposes of God in your life. It's not that you don't believe in God. It's not that you don't love God. But there is an enemy tugging on your flesh, tugging on your senses, tugging on your decisions, and telling you, Paul, now think about Paul. He was the apostle. I mean, he was the one that wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. He was God's man of faith and power. And he said about himself, he said, if I don't put my body under, I can preach to people for my whole ministry and at the end of my life find myself a castaway or a reprobate. What was he saying? He said, if I can do, I can tell people all day long, but if I don't live it myself, come on. I can tell you all day. I can show you all day. I can say, follow me all day. But if I don't live it myself, I'm not going anywhere. I said, I'm not going anywhere. We got a lot of people in the body of Christ right now that are do as I say, not do as I do people. And that's causing issues because you've got unsaved people in the world that are looking into the church and saying, I see a whole lot of people in there that are talking the talk, but they got nothing in their walk when they come outside the church. 
coming back to school, they talk like everybody else. They go to all the parties everybody else goes to. They go and all the functions. They have all the same issues. They battle the same problems. But what I'm telling you tonight is that from this night forward, you can live on another plane. Hallelujah. You can go higher than you've ever been. You can go through the rest of your life never losing another battle. Woo! Hallelujah. I tell you, this anointing can get so up in you that you can get around wrong stuff and the devil's tugging at your heart, but you won't even be able to sin right. You won't even be able to sin right anymore. Like you used to sin, you won't be able to sin anymore. You'll be up in the club trying to do it, trying to do your thing. And booms, 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 booms. Everybody's coming over to you trying to dance up on you, and all you can hear in your spirit is, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Ooh, I don't hear y'all tonight. What can make me whole again? What? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Huh? You want to hit this man? This is good. Jamaican red bud. This is the real thing right here. Come on, just take one. It ain't going to hurt you. And all you can hear is, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart. Come on, I don't hear anybody in here. I'm trying to tell you, you won't even be able to get in the atmosphere like you used to. Girls giving you numbers, guys trying to look at your genes, and all you can hear all up in your spirit, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood, come on, of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working. Mm, something changes in you. You can't even party right no more. You can't even dance right no more. You used to have moves. You come in, they're all locked up inside. What happened? Something got a hold of you. Something got a hold of you. Something turns you around. I'm not going to say, I'm not trying to tell you the devil's going to stop tempting you. It ain't going to happen. I said it ain't going to happen. Until Jesus comes, until your body gets glorified, you will not stop getting tempted. But just because you're tempted doesn't mean you have to miss out on your blessing. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you have to lose the battle. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean that you'll fall flat on your face. Woo-hoo. Come on, y'all. And we have an issue. You look in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 20, I believe it's 25. There's a story of two brothers born as twins. You got Esau and you got Jacob. And Esau and Jacob were two men that had very different priorities in their life. Very different things going on in their hearts. Now Esau, they were twins, but Esau came out first. And the Bible says back in those days, if you were the firstborn son, you got all the blessings. You got the firstborn right. You got the birthright. Did, can I just say this to you so you know where we're going with this? Inside that birthright was 22 different blessings locked up in one thing. I mean, you got to choose the best land when it was time to go for land. You got all the best livestock. When it was time to get your inheritance money from your parents, you got twice as much as everybody else in the family did. It meant something. This was not just like a little ribbon you got on your shirt. You came in like looking like sweet. No, this was a real blessing. This was the kind of stuff that changed your world. You see what I'm saying? And so... Enoch, uh, Esau was born first. Bible says he came out hairy. I mean, he came out hairy. He looked like a little miniature man when he came out of his mother's womb. 
And at the same time he was popping out covered in hair, outshot a hand and grabbed him by his heel. It was his twin brother, Jacob. And they called him Jacob, which meant heel, supplanter, deceiver. I mean, they named the kid before he even had a chance to do anything. They labeled him before he even had a chance to live right. They called him something just expecting of what he was going to be. I don't hear you tonight, but that's what happens in this world we live in. People don't even know your name. They don't even know who you are. And they start labeling you before they ever meet you. They start talking about you before they ever meet you. They start commenting on your Facebook post when they don't even know what your heart is. I don't hear you here. But what I'm telling you is that there are people who will stand against you. Don't get worried. Don't get upset. Don't get bent out of shape. There has to be people on the earth that hate you. There are certain blessings in the Bible that don't even come until people start hating on you. The Bible said there was a woman in the Bible named Rachel, and she didn't have the ability to have any children. She was barren. And back then, if you were a woman that didn't have kids, they counted you worthless. And she cried out and said, God, give me children. But the Bible says, until God saw that she was hated on. The Bible says until she got hated, her womb didn't open. But the Bible says God saw that people were hating her, and because of their hatred, he opened up her womb and began to let her have children. What I'm telling you is, don't try to get everybody liking you, because they won't like you anyway. But the Bible gives us a promise that says, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Woo I need some people standing against me because there's certain blessings I can't even lay my hands on until people start talking about me. Come on. We got this kind of Christian. We think everybody's going to love us. They're not going to love us. Huh? The Bible says Jacob came out and they grew up. This is what blows me away. They grew up twins but completely different. Jacob and Esau. Esau was a daddy's boy. Harry out in the woods all the time hunting. He liked to hunt. He liked to fish. He liked to gather food. He was a man's man. And then you got Jacob. He was a mama's boy. I always caught him in the kitchen. He was in there making stews and stuff. I mean, he was like, he was like, yes, I will. <laughs> Braiding his mom's hair. I'm not saying, but you know, you had mama's boy and you had daddy's boy. I mean, you had two different kinds of dudes right here. And the Bible says something interesting happened. Esau, who was the older, with the, he had the blessing. He had the birthright. The Bible says he came back in one day from being out hunting, from being out doing his thing, been out in the wilderness all day. And his brother's at the stove cooking up a pot of stew, the Bible says. He smelled that. I mean, you talk about, it was just bean stew, the Bible says. But it, uh, Jacob must have known what he was doing in the kitchen because that smell hit his brother. He was like, I don't know what I got. Give me some of that stew. I mean, he started freaking out over some stew, over some ramen noodles. I mean, it was nothing. Comes in. The Bible says Jacob is smart. Jacob goes, yeah, I'll give you some stew. Trade me. Your birthright. Now, this is insane. Now, come on. Hold on a second. You're talking about the same blessing that has 22 blessings inside, the choice of the best land, the choice of the best livestock, the choice of the double portion of money when, when dad dies, and you want to trade it for some beans and some bread? See, this is an issue in our generation, instant gratification. I want what I want, and I want it right now. 
I mean, you look at how far we've come in our generation to generation to generation. If you loved music in like our parents' day, you had to wait until the vinyl came out and you had to go find a record store and then you had to be like searching through the record piles to find the one you wanted until they came out with eight-track tapes. And the eight-track tapes with the bomb, you had a big old tape. It was like a VHS almost. You had to have that thing in your people that had eight-track player in their car. You were the man. Eight tracks, then cassettes came out, boy. If you had cassettes, woo, that was something right there. Cassette tapes. Then they came out with the machine that could flip the other side. You didn't have to touch it. It flipped on its own. You were futuristic. That was like future right there. Your tape just flipped by itself? Then CDs came out. CDs. You had to go to the store. You had to go to FYE. Huh? You had to go to some, some music store, find the newest music. Then they transitioned in 2001 and came out with MP3s and downloadable content. So you didn't have to go outside your house anymore. You didn't have to go to a store. You could have what you want right when you wanted it. Now people don't even do that. They just pay for a plan on Spotify or RDO. They get their music. They don't have to buy albums anymore. You can listen to whatever you want, whenever you want with no delay. That's the generation we're living in right now. Nobody wants to sit down and have somebody in a restaurant serve them. They got to have fast food. Now they got extra fast food for people that really can't wait for a drive through lane. Listen, I will tell you where we're at right now. If you wanted to be a sinner back in the day, if you wanted to watch porn back in the day, you had to go find some firehouse somewhere to go in the basement with all the people in the town that played it on a big screen. Now you don't have to leave your room. I'm not saying that because I knew from experience. I'm just saying <laughs> that's what I read. I read that somewhere. Now you don't have to go anywhere outside your room. You got your phone. Are you hearing me? This is where our generation is right now. Instant gratification. I got to have what I want, and I want it now. I'm not going to wait for later. Why should I have to wait until I get married to have sex? I can have sex right now. There's no issue about it. We're in love. I feel a connection, girl. I feel a connection right now. I don't know what it is, but something between us right now, I can feel it. Huh? we're falling. Can I tell you something? We've got a birthright that we're selling out for some beans and some bread. Hashtag bean and bread. I'm looking at some people coming in right now. You need to go back home wherever you came from. Some of y'all dating people that aren't even saved. You need to break up tonight because let me tell y'all something. You can't French kiss them into the kingdom of God. It don't work that way. You've got to get a power on the inside of you that can change a generation. I ain't selling out my covenant for beans and bread. Y'all hear me in here? Somebody shout beans and bread. You see that young man walking towards you. You see that girl coming in with the nice jeans on. You look right in their eyes and say beans and bread. I ain't selling out. I ain't selling out. I ain't selling out. The devil tries to send you little stuff. Oh, this will taste good. Yeah, it'll taste good for a minute. But it ain't no birthright. It ain't no double portion of my inheritance. It ain't no best land, best stuff, best car, best house, best college education, best job, best pay grades. It ain't nothing like what God has for me. It's just some beans and bread. And I ain't laying it down for nothing. Somebody shout, yeah. That's the new generation, amen. Woohoo! I ain't laying it down. You ain't laying it down. Your birthright is too important, too powerful, too much in it to lay it down for some beans and some bread. Y'all hear what I'm saying? 
There's people that God will, God will send into your life to bless you. But then there's people the enemy will send into your life to take you out. You have to be discerning and say, that person, that's not a kingdom relationship. You know one of the biggest thing that takes people out in church? It's not, you know, drinking. It's not doing drugs. It's not pornography. You know what it is? It's the wrong people they hook up with. It's people God never sent them trying to hook up, trying to be together. Oh, he's my best friend. She's my best friend. Huh? Oh, call me. Call me after the service. Let's talk about what pastor preached today. No, you need to just receive it. Huh? When it comes from the pulpit, it's not up for debate. It's the Holy Ghost. You need to just receive it. Huh? Some people dropping nasty comments on your Facebook post. You need to just block them and say, beans and bread, I'm out. I don't have time to debate with every person that doesn't believe what I believe. Either believe it or let me shake the dust off my feet and go somewhere else. Because life is too short, Jesus is coming too soon, and we don't have time to mess around. People are on their way to hell while Christians are debating about salvation. I'm telling you tonight, it's time to get fired up again and say, come on, I'm taking a generation to heaven with me. Woo! Somebody lift your hands and say, I'm taking a generation to heaven with me. I refuse to let my friends go to hell. I refuse to let my family go to hell. I refuse to let my loved ones go to hell. I'm not going to lay back and play dead and act like Jesus ain't coming. He's coming soon. Hey, and I ain't selling out my birthright for no beans and bread. I can tell you that. Amen. Woo. You ought to high-five somebody next to you and tell them I ain't selling out. Tell them I ain't selling out. I said that to tell you. Listen to me now. I said that to tell you. Don't let the enemy lie you out of what is rightfully yours. Huh? Don't let him lie you out of what is rightfully yours. He'll trick you into believing you don't deserve what God said belongs to you. You know what he's so good at? His best plot and plan? That's why the Bible says that we should not be ignorant of his devices or plans. Because he ain't got nothing new. It's the same stuff over and over again. The Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren, which also includes the sisterin. He's perfect at accusing you, pointing his finger at you telling you what you did wrong. See, but what he fails to always remember is that if you said, I belong to Jesus, God don't even remember that stuff anymore. Why are you remembering stuff God doesn't even think about? Why are you putting in your mind stuff God took from you and threw it into a sea of forgetfulness? The Bible says God removed your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. Now let me just tell you something. You can get in the space shuttle and fly off the earth and fly to the east for all we know as long as you want to and it won't end. You can fly to the west and keep on flying as long as you want and it won't end. You know what that tells me? God infinitely removed your sins from your life. You're not going to get to heaven and stand in front of a big movie screen while God plays your whole life over again and you cry in front of it because you see all the mistakes you made. No, if you belong to Jesus, those aren't even a part of your life anymore. And I'm encouraging you tonight and telling you whatever's holding you back, whatever's trying to take you out, let this be the night that you look it in the face. Look 
blinking eye to eye and tell them this is the last day I'm messing with you. I'm not selling out my future for beans and bread. Woo, hallelujah. Somebody ought to lift your hands and thank the Lord that he's good and his mercy endures forever. Come on. I said he's good. Worship team, you can come. I'm almost done. I just want to encourage for one more moment here because I want you to see that what God's planning to do in your life is not a small thing. I said it's not a small thing. God has no desire to bless you little. He wants to bless you big. Let me tell you how I know that. The Bible declares, number one, that he is a jealous God. That means he wants all the glory. He wants all the praise. He wants all the honor. And if he did something in your life that was so small that some man could have taken credit for it or it could get swept under the rug or people could say it was a coincidence, that doesn't show his power. So he said, I ain't going to do nothing small for you. I'm going to do something so big that everybody will have to stop and rubberneck on your blessing. You know what I'm talking about by that? You can get on the interstate with your car and drive and get into a heavy traffic jam. And you think to yourself, oh my goodness, there must be a serious wreck up ahead and you finally get up to where the issue is and you find out it's somebody changing their tire on the side of the road and you had to wait 45 extra minutes because everybody had to stop and look make sure they were changing the tire right rubberneck drivers that's the kind of blessing I'm prophesying for you tonight God's gonna do something so big in your life that when people walk past you they're gonna have to slow down and check it out and say what in the world is this this can't be normal this is not earthly this is heavenly The Bible says in Psalm 126, verses 1 and 2, when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, took them out of bondage, they said, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Here's the best part. And it was said among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. You know, it's one level of blessing when you prophesy and you testify on your own behalf. That's one level. It's another level when another believer stands up and says, I just want to tell you about what God did in their life. It's so powerful. That's another level. But when sinners start standing up and testifying of God's goodness on your behalf, that's a whole nother level. And that's what I'm talking about. In the final five months of 2014, get ready for people that don't even serve God to begin to testify on your behalf and say, I don't know what's going on in his or her life, but this is not natural. It must be God. Woo, hallelujah. I'm telling you this tonight. Don't let anything steal the birthright that God placed in your life. Don't let anything steal it. Don't sell it out for something that doesn't even mean anything. But I love him you don't even know. I love her. There's nothing worth losing your heavenly blessing over. Nothing. The enemy knows everything to try. He knows everything to use. He knows everything to throw at you. But you have to make a conscious decision in your spirit and say, I'm going to be like these three men standing up here. I'm going to let my soul align with my spirit and drag my body where it's supposed to go. Hallelujah. There's people in this room tonight, you've been dealing with stuff. You've been dealing with things in your life. 
You know what they are. I don't have to pull you out and tell you what they are. The Holy Spirit's already talking to you. And you have, you have to realize tonight is a night to make all things new. The Holy Spirit is in this place right now. The power of God is in this room. You don't have to leave the same way you came into the room. You can leave different. You say, well, brother, nothing really happens in 30 minutes. Oh, there's a lot. God can do a lot in 30 minutes. He can do what 21 meetings with some secular help group can't do for you. You come out still an alcoholic, still addicted to porn, still addicted. But when you get into the presence of the Lord, that's why the psalmist had to lift up his voice and say, better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Because in one day, God can turn it all around for you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. God's touching people right now. God's healing people right now. Maybe you've been battling depression and anxiety and fear. Maybe you've been battling ADD, ADHD. Maybe there's something sinful in your life that you can't seem to get free from. Maybe there's something the enemy has tried to point at you and say you'll never get free from this. I tell you the devil is a liar and tonight can be the final night that you battle that mess ever again. Get ready for your freedom tonight in Jesus' name. What I'm telling you is we're going to pray for you. We're going to say, God, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in my life. Come by the power of the Holy Spirit and remove from me anything that does not belong. But don't stop there. Add to me. Download into me everything you want me to have. And see, when you begin to get a heart like that, there's no enemy big enough to destroy you. There's no enemy big enough to take you out. Somebody shout, tonight is the final night that I'll ever sell out for beans and bread. With every head bowed, I want to say this to you. You can all stand on your feet. You don't have to sit down. Stand on your feet. There's people in here, the Holy Spirit's already talking to you. And I want to say this. If you're in this room tonight and you've been battling with one of those things that I mentioned, there's issues. The devil's trying to take you out. It's not that you don't love God. It's that there's been a fight you've been trying to win and you keep falling. You keep messing up. You keep missing out. Tonight's a night to get your freedom. Tonight's a night to say, Lord, I'm ready to turn things around. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, and you say, I want to make a change tonight. I want to know that tonight is my night of turnaround. I don't want you to lift your hand. I want you to quickly get out of your seat and come to this altar right now. Make sure you're not selling out for beans and bread. We're encouraged. I believe that this message can change the trajectory of your life. So go ahead and give it a share. Check out the Uproar Conference on theuproar.org or any social media by simply searching the Uproar Conference. Have a phenomenal day. We're looking forward to seeing you in July.